Welcome to Volunteer Plain Talk Podcasts, the podcast for today's leaders of volunteers. Your host is me, Meridian Swift. Today, our guest is Mark W. Smith. Mark is a volunteer engagement professional with over 15 years of experience and has worked with volunteers in arts and culture, senior services, and nutrition. Currently, Mark serves on the executive committee and is a board member for ALIVE, which is the Association of Leaders in Volunteer Engagement. He's in his seventh year as the volunteer resource manager at Project Angel Heart a nutrition organization that prepares and delivers nutritious meals to individuals who are living with a life-threatening illness in the Denver metro area. In 2018, Mark was chosen as a keynote speaker and session presenter for the Colorado Conference on Volunteerism. Mark, welcome to this podcast, and thank you so very much for joining us here at Volunteer Plain Talk. What is your background? Well, Meridian, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation today and to talk a little bit about volunteer engagement professionals and our our profession as a whole. So my background, um, it started actually in 1990, quite a ways back, um, when some of these folks maybe not were even born. <laughs> um, I was going to college and I had seen an opportunity for a work study um, opportunity um, that actually paid money. And so I thought, well, this could be a really great way not only to get a job, but then to get some exposure um, out there in the, in the world. And so I decided to apply for a position at Volunteers of America. I didn't know anything about them. Um, but I actually got the job, and I was going to be working for the Retired and Senior Volunteer Program. And I think most of us know that's a pretty incredible program across the country. And so I got a chance to see firsthand something that I didn't know in my youth, something that I had seen on the sidelines, folks giving their time and doing some volunteering. But I really became exposed to folks caring so much about their community there at Volunteers of America. If you don't mind my asking, what did you study in college and and was that volunteering something that even remotely came up? <laughs> well, I think I think we know Meridian that most of us get our degree <laughs> in something that matters not um, to our profession. Um, yeah. So I was actually going to the Colorado Institute of Art. I was studying to work in the music and video business. Do you have a particular, you know, impetus from your volunteering experience that made you want to go further? I think Meridian, one of the things I found was there was this volunteer and his name was Felix. And his story was really very special to me. He was a senior citizen um, who had worked his whole life. And there he was giving his time freely and willingly to help Volunteers of America with several projects that they were working on. Um, And as I got to know him a little more, I got to see who this incredible person was that had had a very accomplished career and yet felt more satisfied by the things he was doing after his career than he was during his career. And that was just a real pivotal moment for me to see how so many people can care so much about something and can really make a change in the world. So that really had a profound effect on you. Oh, it did. And I 
I mean, that, that was almost 30 years ago, and I remember his name, his whole name, and, and I can see his face at this very moment. Yeah, I, I'm sure he would have realized that here I was as a young kid, gleaning from him so much amazing things that were that were happening. And don't you find that with uh, volunteers and volunteering and ourselves in general, that we really don't understand, nor can we be shown the far-reaching effects that we have. Oh, correct. Sometimes we get in our own little silo, our own little pod, and maybe we don't realize all the different people that are being helped either um, regionally or globally. I sometimes tell people, I used to tell my team, you know, if one volunteer comes up to you and says, gosh, you know, you really made a difference in my life, actually kind of try and times that by 100, because that's probably around more where it stands. Mark, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had as a volunteer manager? Wow. I'd say they've been different at every location I've worked, but I would certainly say one thing that that seems to be sometimes a, a thorn in our side is the staff buy-in. Um, mm. I know we've talked about it. We've seen it at conferences, but it's really true. Folks really don't know what we do, and they have a misperception sometimes of what, of what we do. And so that can be real challenging in your job when um, when you, you're trying to focus on a goal and and there's just this other distractions of people not understanding how you do your job. Have you found something that uh, surprised you that kind of worked, or whether it be volunteer actual stories or statistics of impact? Yes, Meridian, I actually did last year um, this presentation, put a little bit of time and energy into it, but it really showcased the volunteer program in a different kind of light than we normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think an awful lot of people appreciate the um, number from independent sector for the value of the time for a volunteer. But what I thought was I needed to go so much further than just $1 amount that just seems to be a, a catch-all. So what I did is, is I did a little research and found out what would the actual wage be for the, for the positions we'd have to hire. Mm-hmm. We found out we would need 19 full-time people. And so what would the wages be? What, what, how much would those benefits be? And, th- and what I did is I took all the benefits we have in our agency, not just health insurance and PTO. Um, mm-hmm. And so I multiplied that times 19. I, I found out what is the cost of a computer for us? What is the cost of the server? What are the cost of our payroll service? Um, how much are lights? How much, what, are, what are all the infrastructure pieces we would need to actually hire 19 people? We would need eight delivery vehicles. Well, that's not a small... Uh, a number when you think about that cost. And so taking all of those costs together and showcasing that actual benefit of what the cost would be if we actually hired 19 people was staggering. That is an innovative idea, Mark. And you're planning on perhaps sharing that with your volunteers as well? Oh, I think that'd be a great idea. I, You know, often we think about being able to present this information to upper management and to maybe the board of directors. But I think probably the people that would get the most out of that could be the volunteers. But I love the idea that you're showcasing uh, beyond just an amount and, and no offense or to independent sector for coming up with, with that amount. But uh, it does go beyond that, doesn't it? Oh, I agree. No, independent sector has been a lifesaver for so many of us. It helps us understand what that value is. But being able to go much further and to realize how much would the actual cost be to the agency can be can be overwhelming. 
I, I think that's great. I know that you are extremely passionate about helping new volunteer managers. That's one thing that you've told me in the past that you really love to do. So let's just say I'm a new volunteer manager or I've been in the field for maybe less than a year. What what do you think would be the most important skills that I should have or develop? Wow, I think... Meridian, for new volunteer managers, there's so much coming at you. One of the things I really appreciated was in one of your recent blogs, you talked about all the different types of professions that we actually are in our field to be able to present our work. And that really hit home to me. And so I, I, I think you're so right in that we have to do a whole lot of different things right. We have to be really good at marketing. We have to be really good at working with people. You have to be a techie these days, too, is, is the adaptability, right? Even in, in the tech world as well. Because uh, volunteers of today, I call them modern volunteers. You know, the volunteers of today are so much more tech interested and get a lot of their information from tech and social media. So we have to be on top of that. And it could be it could be a double-edged sword, can't it? I've seen it work out both ways um, with scheduling platforms that you think is going to be a really big hit and it works really well with one group of folks and not with another, depending on their level of either interest or, you know, ability. Yeah, we can talk we can talk generations and how World War Two has given rise to baby boomer generations and X and Y and, and millennials and on and on. But I think social media has kind of crossed all generations in that some uh, people are really interested in utilizing it and others are not so much. So adaptability is I mean, you have to be able to appeal to so many different types of individuals, too. I think we work off of every single rung on the ladder. <laughs> I love right? that. Yes, every rung. There's there's none that we don't touch. <laughs> you know, I can remember um, when I was at the city of Lakewood, I had asked our budding artist and director of our art center to draw me walking a tightrope because that's kind of how I feel our job is often is that we're balancing so many different things on either side that that can be that can be the biggest challenge of the day. And that pole that they uh, carry for balance, for us, it's so long and it, so many things are on each <laughs> end of it, right? And, and we're just tottering there sometimes. <laughs> I know, you can't look up and look down at the same time. <laughs> I like that. That is a great visual. Just stare straight ahead and try not to fall. <laughs> So I, I know you've talked about adaptability and being nimble. What does being nimble mean to you? Oh, I think it means that you have to be ready for whatever comes your way. So be it a director coming to you and saying, hey, we want to start a new program. Be it volunteers coming and just needing a few minutes of your time. Be it your team that you're leading, having challenges, even letting volunteers go. You have to be very nimble in, in how you approach each and every one of those things that happen. And sometimes I get through the day and I go, well, if I didn't accomplish anything, at least I was here to try. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, speaking of letting volunteers go, that is a, you know, a huge, not a, a challenge for volunteer managers because we want to see everyone succeed. Can you think of a time when you've had to either fire a volunteer or at least counsel them and work with them? And, and how did that work out for you? Oh, yes, Meridian. I've had actually both of those examples uh, mm -hmm. more than a few times. 
I would say the the time it worked out really well. I, I had had a volunteer who had worked this position at a festival for many years. It was my first year at that uh, particular job, and they were really struggling with a few things in that position. For one, they didn't want to stay there for longer than 15 or 20 minutes at mm. a time, and they actually were at the front gate of the festival. Oh, wow. so that's a pretty important <laughs> spot to be able to take tickets. <laughs> yeah. um, and. And I, I learned uh, of this volunteer's absence is how I found out that they had walked away from their post because they needed a break. And so uh, I, I rallied up some other folks and got some folks to help down there. And then what I did is I, I sat down with this volunteer afterwards and, and had a conversation, an important conversation. I knew that she had a lot of expectations and had been there for many, many years. And so kind of expected things to be done a certain way. And so after our conversation, I found out that she gets tired very easily on her feet, that if I had a stool for her or if we had water available or if I had timed breaks for her, if I had a second person there, there were an awful lot of ways to help her be successful at that particular job and not mm-hmm. impact anybody. And so the s- subsequent years after that worked out really well. But I wouldn't have known that if I actually hadn't sat down and found out what were her expectations, what are my expectations and how do we come together? That's, that's a great example, because if we practice avoidance, then we can't solve anything, can we? Correct. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have. I have done that on, on a Monday morning. I think you got to eat that frog first thing, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there have been times when I'm like, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. And then it ends up bubbling up into something that I'm, I'm not wanting to get to it at that level. <laughs> Oh, that is such good advice. I don't know if you want to share this, but have you ever had a challenging volunteer that you just could not find a fit? Yes. Oh, yeah. We've had had a few of those um, as well. Um, Ones that have been combative and and those challenging positions. Either they're not willing to do the work that, that needs to be done or they don't understand. So I think there are a lot of things you need to do. First is you have to have those conversations, more than one or two about what, what they're doing, what your expectations are. Do they need retraining? Do they need placement in a different part of the organization? Is there something else that's going on that you don't know about? You know, I, I, we're starting to see a trend here, um, and I'm sure it's been happening for many years, but I have I have volunteers with dementia. Yeah. And that is a – it's heartbreaking and, and an incredible challenge, and it's my job to find a way to navigate for them. And so yeah. – you know, I, I think that you just have to have those hard conversations. And, and then um, usually by the time it comes down to that last conversation, everybody's on the same page. Worked out. Clearly, you know, we can't have you standing for four hours anymore. Let's try to find something else that works or, you know, and potentially there's an opportunity then for you to utilize them perhaps as mentors or trainers down the way. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. And Do you find, Mark, that after you've actually had these conversations, hard and challenging as they may be, that you walk away feeling so much more satisfied knowing that you were a leader? Oh, Meridian, you're so right. Actually walking away with two things. One, knowing that that you were a leader. And the second one is that sometimes they actually need you to help them decide that. They they don't know and they don't want to stop, but in their heart of hearts, they know that it's probably the best for everybody as well. I found that too, that sometimes when you have that difficult conversation, that volunteer has already been thinking in the exact same terms. Yes, exactly. 
but they didn't know how to act or how to make that happen. Right. Or they didn't know how to approach you and say, you know, I just can't do this anymore or I'm just not happy with this anymore. And you're like, okay, well, I could kind of see that, you know. (laughs) Right. You know, and everybody has those transition times. And for volunteers, it's very hard for them to see what they cannot do anymore. But if there's a way for them to stay connected with their group. Mm-hmm. Um, one particular gal that had, that had decided it was time to go, she comes in once a month and has a snack with her team. Um, I so she love still gets that. to see them. Yeah, that, that's important camaraderie for her. And yet it doesn't take away from her um, feeling like she can't do the job. You know, and two, when a volunteer leaves, if we forget about them, you know, we diminish the fact that they're still out there talking to their friends and their neighbors and their community. And this volunteer that you have come in once a month is still an advocate for the organization because you you value her and you showed her that you value her. So true. Volunteers are the biggest advocates for your program. You only you only have a small amount of staff, and generally, sometimes when some of them leave, they're not on the best terms. But when volunteers leave, they tend to really still care deeply about what they've done here. Exactly, and we have an army almost of what I call word well, what's known as word of mouth marketing, the WOM right. volunteers who are out there talking all the time, and we want them to talk positively. Oh boy, don't we? <laughs> yeah, please. Well, you know, and and in talking with you one gets the sense or one realizes, especially if you are a volunteer manager, that there's so much to it. So that brings up the subject of burnout. We have a high burnout rate, obviously, because we have so much going on. And as you say, we're walking a tightrope. So what would you say to a new volunteer manager or any volunteer manager? Are we just simply yes people? Or how can you put those boundaries in and say no so that you don't burn out? I've seen it firsthand with an awful lot of folks, uh, that burnout factor meridian. And it, it's kind of scary because we need we need us. We need everyone to be in this profession and to care deeply about that. I would say we are absolutely yes people. I, I found for the first many, many years of my career that I'd say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caused a couple problems. First, I didn't realize there were probably potential reasons we should have said no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and potentially there's other staff that want you to say no. And so I think you have to be really careful about saying yes to some of those projects without understanding maybe what the timeline is, what the project management tools that you're going to need to make those things happen. And, and I think you have to be able to say no. You have to be able to draw a line and to realize this is what I am able to co- accomplish in a day. Because if you end up becoming burnt out, then it's going to not only provide a really poor quality of life for you, but it's going to make things really difficult for your agency and your own volunteers. And when you are at the verge of burnout or in the stages of burnout, you really can't function well, can you? And I'm not even sure you see it at the beginning for burnout. Um, I, I usually realize it when I'm a little bit deeper in it and I go, wow, I think I need a day off. I think I should be careful. Um, when I find myself making many mistakes and having to repeat those mistakes, I realize that I'm, I'm clearly not paying enough attention to my own health. So, Mark, how do you how do you decompress then? Do you have do you have any suggestions for us? You know, Meridian, I think a few things that I do personally is I learned many years ago that you need to take a break throughout the day. Uh, I see these folks that want to work eight and ten hours straight. Go, go, go. They have their lunch at their desk and, you know, they take the 10-minute break and then they're on the phone and 
you have got to detach a little bit. I think for myself, I found that that 30 minute break, whether I go read a book, I go listen to some music, I just go outside and sit outside where I'm kind of detached from the work for a few minutes actually helps me refocus even better for the afternoon. And I feel like there's just a new wave of energy that can come on. You are so right. I would have lunch in the cafeteria and it was nothing more than a working lunch. Yeah, I found that the lunch thing here, I love my coworkers, but that tends to be more work sometimes, um, mm-hmm. talking about work. And so um, that's why I usually take a break, go to my car, go out on the patio, uh, walk through the park that's just a few blocks away. You know, one of those ways to detach from the work for just a few minutes. Speaking of great ideas or great inspiration, I suppose, is there, do you have words to live by? Is there a quote that's sitting, you know, just sitting on the corner of your desk that you, you look at? Or do you have maybe um, testimonials from volunteers tucked away in your drawer? <laughs> I love I loved that question. Oh, Meridian, inspiration is an important part of what we do. I think for me, I have an awful lot of quotes I absolutely love, and they seem to transition with different circumstances. But I would say for me, one of my most favorite books is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. You know that book? Yes, I do. Yeah. There's just something really powerful about it for me to to realize that, you know, I I am doing my best, and I I don't need to take things personal, and, and that I can be very proud of the work that I do on a regular basis. So... I tend to use a lot of quotes at home and put them up around my house <laughs> and they tend to motivate me. So, but I tend to find that that book is, is really a grounding force. That is a great book. I have a copy of that tucked away in my, my desk. So I, I agree with you there. I think it's important that we find inspirational quotes or words that we can go back to and live by. I think they motivate us. And, and you're right. They show us that. You know, we're not perfect human beings. We're never going to be perfect human beings. But if we can aspire to be the best that we can be, then we've done something really magnificent. Absolutely. Meridian, what would be one of your, the quotes that you, um, that you love? Well, I'm a huge, huge uh, Tolkien fan. I'm a, a Lord of the Rings nut. And so he said, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. And I feel Love that me, way Soprodo. About- <laughs> because I feel like sometimes we're walking into Mordor. I don't know. You know? <laughs> it could be that. I have no idea. But, you know, beyond the day-to-day, you know, trappings of being a volunteer manager, I think right now, and there has been for a little bit of time, a real awakening within the sector. And thanks to social media for that, honestly, because we're all finding one another and finding that we're sharing the same challenges and the same aspirations in that. And there's this awakening into elevating our profession and the volunteers and volunteerism. What what have you felt would be a way that we can elevate volunteer managers? And I'm not talking about, you know, oh, look at us. We're so wonderful. I'm talking about look at the work we do and how impactful and meaningful it is and you know how do we get that more center stage wow i think that's a great question i think we've certainly seen the volunteer management is not at the top of the 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 totem pole so to speak right and i I think one of the things we are seeing though is is recently there has been um it actually is its own job classification now 
So it has yeah. a lot more validity, which I think is really important for us to be able to, to talk about that, that the, you know, the genuine validity that we have. I think a lot of ways for individual managers to elevate what they're doing too is to, is to look at how are their, how are they impacting their own community of volunteer managers? Are they serving on a board? Are they presenting at a conference? Have you got your certification? Meridian, I have to tell you, I have been in volunteer management for a long time, but the day I got my certification in volunteer and from the CVA certification in volunteer administration, mm-hmm. my boss looks at me a whole different way, which I just didn't understand. I, there was nothing different for me from the day before I had that certification, <laughs> but yet to them, they felt like there was this incredible knowledge of base that I had now and that I would be able to use that to help them. Yeah, I have my CVA2 certification in volunteer administration for, for anyone who doesn't know what it is. And you can go to their website and um, check out, you know, what it takes. And then you have to renew. How long have, have you had yours? I think I've had mine since 2005. So I had just recently got mine in 2016. Oh, good. Congratulations. So Meridian, it was at that time that I realized that every experience matters. To volunteer managers, whether you're writing a blog, whether you're serving on a panel, whether you're presenting at a conference, um, and that my certification really, really meant a lot to me and that I kind of um, had put it off on off to the side for way too long. And, and just uh, for anyone who has their CVA, you renew it every five years. So it's very important that you keep track of the different elements that apply towards renewing it. When I got mine, I was like, oh, my gosh, the test was really in-depth and difficult. And I did not pass the first time, Radian. Oh, did <laughs> No, I didn't. And, and I wasn't going to give up. And I know folks that haven't passed even in the second and third time. Um, and I'm highly encouraging them to continue to seek out that particular certification. Absolutely. And, and ask for help from folks around you or through CVA if you need help. The more of us that have it, the bigger the importance of it will become, if that makes any sense. Oh, I agree. If you think about doctors and nurses, they all have professional associations and, and you know, there's credentialing. And I think that's, that could be really important for our, our field to be able to be at that level. I agree wholeheartedly. Do you follow, pay attention or look at information globally on volunteer management? So I serve on the executive committee of the Association of Leaders in Volunteer Engagement. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I've, I've had a chance over the last few years to see things in a much different way. Been able to f- connect with folks from Australia and England, New Zealand. And so just to kind of see how things are different over in Canada, how they're different and yet how some things are very much the same. Uh, so what I'd say is that I have grown exponentially by being able to hear these stories and to learn about these other opportunities that folks are having across the globe. I agree. We can, we can learn globally as well. I remember uh, when I was at Volunteers of America, I had a delegation come from Asia that wanted to learn about volunteering. They just didn't – the concept was very foreign to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up spending an entire day. They were in town for the week, and they chose several agencies. But I just found that it was, it was shocking to them, and yet they still kind of did a th- – what I call neighboring, 
that mm-hmm. is a form of volunteering where you're helping out your neighbors, you're helping out your church, right? You're watching your kids, um, your neighbor's kids. And so they did a lot of that, but they didn't have any kind of formal structure for volunteering. And so I've seen advancements in that over the last several years, and I'm excited for that. Well, is there anything you want to say to the volunteer management community out there? Anything we didn't cover so far? Because we'll do this again with your permission. Oh, that would be great, Meridian. I've sure enjoyed that. I would just say that during times of challenge or adversity, to, to, to keep with it, stick at it, and know that you're doing amazing things. And feel you have to feel really good about who you are and, and what you're doing for your agency, even if it isn't coming from other folks. You, you, you mentioned that in the beginning, that just getting one comment from a volunteer can change your day. And so I think we have to keep remembering that that's who we're really here for, are those volunteers. Absolutely, do we have to walk that tightrope between the agency needs and the volunteer needs? But our true success comes in those stories from volunteers. And clients, too, when they they tell us what that volunteer meant to us, we have had a hand in developing that volunteer so that they can make that difference in clients' lives. Absolutely. We can can make the impact stronger when we're impacting both our clients and our volunteers' lives. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and experiences with us. I truly appreciate your being, taking the time to be with us today. I know I've learned a great deal from you, so thank you so much. Meridian, this has been a pleasure for me as well. I don't often get to talk to folks in this kind of format, and so looking forward to hopefully doing it again with you one day. Wonderful. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Volunteer Plane Talk podcast. Big thank you to Alternate Timelines for the use of their music. For more volunteer management talk, or if you just want to reach out to me, please visit my website, volunteerplanetalk.com. Or you can catch me at Meridian Swift on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time, this is Meridian Swift. Thank you and bye-bye.